have been studying the book of James most of the summer, and I'm just going to give you a quick refresher. This isn't a full sermon, folks. It's just a little refresher. The author of this book, in case you didn't know, the author of James is believed to be the half-brother of Jesus, the brother of Jesus. And when James and Jesus were growing up, James did not believe Jesus was who he said he was. After Jesus died and rose again, James saw him in the flesh, saw his resurrected body, and everything changed. James became a leader of the church in Jerusalem. Peter and Paul considered him a pillar of the early church. So James believed Jesus was the Son of God. And when we read in the book of James, one way of thinking about it is it's a little bit like the Old Testament book of Proverbs, but in a New Testament, in New Testament clothing. So the difference, it's wisdom. It is advice for how to live. James is very straightforward. And when I've talked to some of you, you say you appreciate that James gets to the point and he doesn't beat around the bush. Some of you have appreciated that directness of the book of James. We can apply this book to our life in so many ways. For example, we can endure trials. We can ask God for wisdom. We can control our tongue. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we can visit orphans and widows. We can avoid playing favorites. There's so much in the book of James that we have learned. I encourage you, if you haven't been here studying James, you can open your own Bible and look at it. All of our sermons are online if you want to go back. It really has been a fun series. James, well, fun might not always be the right word because James holds up a mirror to us. So we can see ourselves, and sometimes that's not fun to look at. I have been convicted about my behavior, and I know that sometimes I don't act the way that I, you know, I believe things, and then I don't act the way I say I believe. So God really wants us to be the people of God and act like the people of God. Amen? And thank God for grace, because when we fall short and we don't act the way we should, there is grace for us. God forgives us. He welcomes us back over and over. So we're going to sing a little bit about that grace that comes from God for us in our next song. Thank you, all of you VBS kids. Great job, leaders. Well done today. Thank you, Swim Shady. Did you figure out who Swim Shady was? Oh, man. Rough. All right. Well, my name is Brian Asker. I am one of the pastors here at Crossview. I specifically work alongside my wife, uh, Sandy, at Crossview Rosa Parks. And today we get to celebrate baptism. We have, is it nine? Aaron, how many is it? No, how many, how many people are getting baptized today? Nine. Okay. See, I had it right. Okay. We get to celebrate nine baptisms today. And here in uh, the Covenant Church, we believe that baptism is one of two sacraments uh, that we celebrate that Jesus commanded. The first being baptism, sort of an, initi an initiation into grace. The second being communion. And that's sort of the ongoing grace. We get to celebrate that today too. I, and what an appropriate way to do it. Baptize and then we'll follow up with communion. Our baptismal candidates will get to take communion uh, for the first time having been baptized. So I want to talk a little bit about what baptism is uh, so we can all kind of get on the same page. 
So sacrament uh, is the word that we often use to describe these two things. And from a technical standpoint, a sacrament was an oath that a soldier would take to Caesar before going to war. Or it would be sort of a security deposit that somebody would give to the judge in a Roman court system. Sacrament was also commonly known as sort of a mis mystery or mysterion, and not in the sense of like a problem to be solved, but rather it was something that had been hidden that had now been revealed. So something hidden that had been now revealed. A sacrament is also, today we think about it as an outward sign of an invisible grace that is uh, happening. So you can think about it like this. When you have a conflict with somebody and then they come to you and they apologize and then they give you a hug, there are physical things that are happening. There are visual things. There are verbal things that are happening that are showing outwardly what is happening on the inside as that person is confessing and apologizing to you. So a sacrament in a sense is when we administer the sacraments, something goes public. A mystery is, dis is disclosed, something is being communicated, and something is being pledged. So let's talk a little bit about what is being communicated and what's being pledged. In the New Testament, there are eight different images that describe baptism to us. We're going to talk about just three of them this morning. So the first one comes from Acts chapter 22, verse 16, and it talks about washing sins. It says, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. The second image comes from Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 3 and 4, and it talks about death and resurrection. It says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The last image that I'm going to touch on today is uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And it's talking about joining a new family. It says this, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And that oneness in that verse is particularly important for us in the covenant. We um, were birthed during a time where there was sort of some arguments about whether infant baptism or believer baptism was the right mode of baptism. And, you know, that still happens today. Some of you grew up in a tradition where you only baptized infants. So today we're going to be baptizing people who are a little older, some of our children, some adults, and you're going to be like, wow, this is different. I've never experienced this. Some of you grew up in a tradition where you only baptized those people who were older, people who had confessed a faith in Jesus. Well, in the covenant church, we have historically said, you know what? We're going to do both because the oneness of the church is more important to us than the specifics of the doctrine of baptism. So what's being pledged today? Well, I like to think of it this way. God is actually pledging something to us first and foremost. God is saying, you are mine and I am yours. What a great promise for us. 
the candidates are also pledging something. They're saying, you are mine, God, and I am yours with this people to whom you have given me. And they do that by declaring their intent to follow God and to be a part of the family of God. And then the last piece that's being declared or pledged is us as a congregation. We pledge to say you are ours and we are under God's direction together. And so we do that by receiving them into the family of God and committing to caring for each person who gets baptized and helping them follow Jesus. So in that way, it's not merely just a personal decision that we're witnessing today. It's also a communal commitment that we make together as a church. And as I thought about that in the early church, as people were growing up and as they were coming to a place where they wanted to be baptized and they were getting baptized, I thought about how most likely people didn't move around as much as we do today. So they would have been known from birth and they probably would have been known until death. So as they made this proclamation, this pledge to join this community, the people watching would have known all of the things that had happened in their life previously and therefore would know if there was a transformation taking place in their life. But they would also know because they would stay in that family, in that church family for the rest of their lives, whether or not they were staying true to that and they could help them continue to do that. Now, today we, of course, move around a lot, but what would it look like for us to be a church that came alongside of our baptismal candidates and really committed to loving and encouraging them to follow Jesus? So as they get baptized today, if you know them well, make a commitment to walk alongside of them today and into the future, helping them follow Jesus. So baptismal candidates, if you want to come on up, I believe Aaron's going to lead us through a liturgy, uh, and then we will get to baptize our candidates. Well, hello, friends. I'm Aaron, one of the pastors here, and we are literally going to be making some waves today as we head into baptism. Now, this is something that our candidates get to experience, but this is also something that we as a church get to experience together. So we're going to be really active in the cheering on of our candidates. So we're going to do a little bit of practicing, all right? So let's say we have one candidate goes down into the water and they come up. The church's response of this person experiencing God's grace is going to be getting out of your seats and cheering, all right? Can we practice that? All righty, here we go. So the person goes down into the water and they come back up. And what do we do, church? Woo! That's right. I want that times two when it happens for real. All right? It's going to be an exciting time. Well, today our friends, Elliot, Lindsay, Brandon, Landon, Kayla, Skyler, Nishan, Nathan, and Brandon, they come to the church for the sacrament of holy baptism. And believer, baptism is that next step of someone who decides to follow Jesus Christ. And it is a public declaration of God making them new, that the old is gone and the new has come. And so friends, we rejoice with you today in this commitment that you are making today. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out into all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so candidates, answering only for yourself, I now call upon you to respond to the following questions. Do you, friends, desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Do you? That's pretty good, guys. Do you renounce the powers of evil and oppose a way of life that is in contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you? I do. Do you repent of your sins and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and desire to live as his faithful follower? Do you? I do. Amen. Preach it. And do you agree to participate fully in the life of this church, to follow God's call, to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Do you? I do. And people of God, you church, will you promise to uphold and to support our brothers and sisters in their new life with Christ and the, promise, and the promises of which they have made this morning? If so, say with gusto, we will. We, we will. will. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. God, you have called us from death to life, and we thank you for your saving love that we receive through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of the sacrament of grace and what it means to us as a church. As we baptize with water, we pray that you would baptize with the Holy Spirit. As we speak, let it be your word, and as we act, let it be your work. And now we pray, God, that you would sanctify this water, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those baptized may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And all of God's children said together, Amen. Amen. Amen.